Oh, God bless you. You can be seated. Hey, uh, it's always a, a really um, wonderful, exciting time for us to be here at Excite. We love, love the house here, love, love the family here, and just so enjoy being here. And, uh, you know, this morning when I was just um, coming, uh, uh, we left home this morning, and I was just talking to Vicky in the car on the way, and I was just talking about a conversation I had yesterday with a brother, and uh, he was a little bit focused on some of the negative things that were happening on the planet, and uh, there is some negative things happening on the planet, but just what welled up in my spirit this morning was Isaiah 60, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has arisen upon you. All right, look at someone beside you and say, the glory of the Lord has risen on you. All right, the glory of the Lord has risen on you. Amen. All right, we, that's where we start from. All right, that's our starting place. The glory of the Lord is on the church of the living God. All right, so verse 2 says, Behold, the darkness covers, shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. And if you want to read Isaiah 60, if you're not already familiar with it, what a great chapter about the glory of these days in which we live. And so it's really important for us not to get focused on the darkness. All right, there's darkness out there, but it is not on you. All right, it doesn't need to be on you. Don't let it get on you. We need to start from this place that the glory of the Lord is upon us. His light is in us. His, his favor is upon us. His blessing is all around us. And uh, yeah, I want to I preach on that. I want to preach to the church about the glory of the Lord is upon you. And because uh, so many people we meet in daily life are looking at the darkness that's happening around us. But that, yes, we acknowledge it's happening. But it's not to get on us. It's not to fill our vision. It's not to occupy our thinking. The purpose and the destiny and the call of God on us is what is to occupy us. So uh, anyway, that was just a little entree. All right, I just want to really um, honor Paul and Ruth and Ruben and Harmony, the pastors here at Excite. And it's always a, a joy to be with you guys. I love the positive vision of this house and uh, what you are pushing out to do. I also want to just really thank and honor every person today in the house who's here serving from the setup crew, the car park attendants, the door greeters, the sound team, look, data, um, children's ministry, youth ministry, life group leaders. And if I've missed anyone out, I don't, I'm not missing you out. I just can't necessarily get you all in one sentence. But I want to honor you all, every person serving this house, because that's a wonderful, wonderful gift to us. And we, we value you, we bless you, and we thank God for you. Um, and uh, this, the house functions well when the family are all playing a part. All right, so this, you know, the theme this month is a glorious church. And uh, Pastor Paul last week did a great message on the glorious church. One thing that was a standout statement for me, and uh, Paul made another one this morning, but here's another standout from last week. Be careful we don't swap what we are for who we are. In other words, the revelation of who we are in Christ, don't swap that for your current circumstance and the difficulties you're going through. Hold on to what, who you are and make 
who you are will become what you, you're, it will filter into your circumstances. So that was a great standout statement. And uh, the church is the body of Christ, the bride of our Savior. It's the gift of the Father to the Son. These are the three points from Paul's message, the living expression of God's love to the world. Great message. And Dave just had a great communion last week, week word last week. It was a great message. All right, today I want to start um, just sharing from Matthew 16, and, and, and um, Dave touched on this last week. Um, in Matthew 16, Jesus makes a ask a question. And uh, Matthew 16, 13, um, and we have that up on the screen. So when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And Jesus has been ministering. He's been healing the sick. He's been sharing the word of God. He's been, miracles are being happen, happening. And he turns to his disciples and he said, what are people saying about me? Why, what are they saying? And, they, and the disciples replied, they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But he said to them, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, I want to just, there's a couple of things in here that are really, really amazing. One is, when he said, who do, who do people say that I am? Well, the people had no grid of reference to determine who Jesus was except all the Old Testament prophets and those who had performed miracles in the Old Covenant. And so they said, you look like one of the prophets. Jesus, he's got to be another one of the prophets. He's got to be a prophet. Somehow they didn't yet see that he was the Messiah. But, but Peter says, or Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? And this is a great question because this morning when you're sitting here, it's not really that important what people are saying all around you. The biggest question we answer in life is, who do we say Jesus is? What do you think? Who is he? Is he who he said he was? And if he is, then he is one we surrender and follow with all of our heart. And, and Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus must have been happy about that. Peter got it. He knew who Jesus was. He knew he was the living, the, the Son of God, the Messiah. This was the Jewish Messiah that the Jewish people, the Jewish nation had been looking for for hundreds and hundreds of years. And Peter makes this statement, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so um, that's our question today. And we need to answer that question, every one of us. If you're here this morning and you've not yet come to understand or come to know who Jesus is, then keep searching, keep looking, keep reading, keep listening, keep your ears and your heart open, because who Jesus is is the most transformative thing you will ever encounter in your life. And when you understand that he is the, the Messiah, he is the Son of God, your life will be transformed. Your life will be absolutely transformed powerfully. And Jesus answered and said to Simon in verse 17, he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I've come to realize that knowing who Jesus is is absolutely a revelation of the Holy Spirit to you personally. 
You know, people around you can tell you who Jesus is. You can read about him in the scripture. But there is a time when the Spirit of God reveals who Jesus is. And you cannot get it until you get it by revelation. As it is really, really important. You must know Jesus is who he says he is by revelation of the Holy Spirit. Not up here, but down here, inside the wairua, inside our, our spirit man, he gets to know who Jesus is. And there, from there, Jesus said this. He said, and I say to you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. It's revelation knowledge. And you can only get it by Holy Spirit bringing it to you. And I tell you what, you know, people can pull out all the proofs in the world that Jesus was not who he said he was. They can tell me he's just a man. They can tell me all kinds of things. And I'll sit there and go, but I know. I know he is. There's nothing you can say that will shift that because I didn't get it from intellectual reasoning. I didn't get it by logic. I didn't get it any other way but by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. And so once you got it, you got it, and nothing will ever shift it. You can walk away from it, but it will not change. He will be with you wherever you go. The darkest places in the sea, sometimes we slip away from him, but he's there. He will never let you go. You will never forget it. You'll never escape it because it's written in your spirit. No one can take it from you. No one can shift it. No one can move it when it comes by revelation. And so that's what we want for every one of us. I want you to know what I know. God wants you to know what I know and what so many know. It's a revelation. Only the Holy Spirit can do it. And he wants to do it. He's here this morning to do it for you. He's here this morning to do it for you. If you just open your heart to him today and say, Lord, Help me. I want, to, I want to see. I want to understand. I want to receive you. I want to understand you. He will do it. He'll do it for you. Isn't that great? He wants us to know. So Jesus, um, this is the foundational revelation. We believe that Jesus Christ, you must believe. And this is what I believe about Jesus. He was born of the Virgin Mary. People say, how can someone be born of a virgin? I don't know. I just know he was. All right? Conceived by the Holy Spirit. Well, how, you, what, about, what, about, what about my mind? What about logic and reason? No. The Holy Spirit revealed in my heart. He's revealed. He's born by supernatural conception of the Holy Ghost. No one can persuade me otherwise. Okay, so he's virgin born. He lives a sinless life. Yeah, but everybody sins, but not Jesus. He lived a perfect sinless life. He is the Son of God. All right, so I believe that. His atoning death on the cross. He died for my sins. His blood was shed. His blood takes away my sin. I'm washed clean. I'm righteous before the throne of God. I am restored by the powerful working of the Holy Spirit. I'm in relationship with a living God. He resurrected after he died on the cross. He came back to life again, supernaturally three days later. But how we know one rises from the dead. Once you're dead, you're dead. But not Jesus. He rose up from the grave. And not only that, 
In his ministry, he prayed for people and they rose from the dead. So I believe. He's virgin born. His life was sinless. His, his atoning death, his resurrection, and that all authority has been given to Jesus Christ. Do you know what? If all authority belongs to Jesus, that means someone else has got none. And you know who that someone else is? The devil. He got none. Because Jesus has got it all. All right? So don't let him have any. Don't give him any space. He don't have any authority. Jesus has got it all. All right? You can't. If you've got it all, you've got it all. So Jesus has got it all. He's got it all. Someone else has got none. So don't give him any. Don't let him deceive you in any way. So Jesus says, Verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Um, and I'm indebted to Martin Steele for this. He said this, the, the Greek translation here says, when it says whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, he says will have already been bound in heaven. So all, right, all we have to do is find out what God, what Jesus defeated, what was bound in heaven and we can automatically do it on the earth. Don't need any permission. What Jesus has defeated, what he is bound, in, uh, is already bound, and we can do the same on the earth. Whatever is loosed in heaven, is already we can it's already loosed on, in heaven, and we can release it on the earth. So we, we shut down evil, and we release righteousness. We shut down uh, the works of the devil, and we release blessing wherever we go. We, 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 we carry blessing. We carry life. We carry authority to release blessing. All right, so whatever Jesus has defeated, the church has authority over. I will build my church, and uh, I just want to focus a little here for a moment. All right, I just want to give you a little bit of background, because uh, this subject of the church is a big, big theme of Scripture. And so we're just going to get a little, little bit this morning. But the Greek word for church is ecclesia. And this is what it means. This is the context of the word when Jesus said, I will build my church. Um, he was using something that was familiar to the Jewish people because they had been conquered by the Greek empire, which was a world empire. And the, and the, the term ecclesia was a Greek term. And it, this is what it was. It was a gathering of the citizens called from their homes into some public place, it was an assembly. It was an assembling of people convened together, called together in a public place for the purpose of deliberating and making decisions. All right, it was a governmental body called together to govern the city and make decisions. All right, so... Another place that was used in Acts, the assembly of the Israelites in the wilderness under Moses' leadership was called the Ecclesia, as it's interpreted from Hebrew into Greek. That was a similar gathering. But always God has been calling forth a people unto himself, healing, setting us free, forgiving us for the purpose of bringing government and kingdom authority and rule into our communities. And so... When he says, I will build my church, he was saying, the Romans have a government, the Greeks had a government, but I'm building my government and my authority base out of called out, redeemed humanity, called out, given authority to bring my rule and government into the earth. And so this is what 
a local church is called to do. So we, he wanted to convey to his disciples that he was establishing his government and his authority into the earth through his people. Peacefully, but powerfully. We're called to love. We're called to lay down our lives. We're called to serve. But oh my goodness, the most powerful force on the universe is love. And it will conquer all through his people serving and loving the community around us. We're not just saved and healed and restored to go to heaven when you die. You're called to play a vital part now in the, in, in the bringing of the, of the gospel and the kingdom of God into our communities. And so um, I thought when I got saved, that's it. I'm there now. Woohoo! I'm forgiven. Just be a good boy now and hang out till you die. No! I found out I'm safe for a purpose. I'm safe for a reason. God called you out to become part of His government in the earth, to become part of His, His bride, the expression of who He is, to bring His kingdom, to bring His love, to bring His healing to the, to the communities around us and to our nation. So we're called out to govern. We're called out to bring influence. We're called out um, to do these things. So why should we be part of a local church? You need to be part of a local church for a whole raft of reasons. And I just want to touch on some of them this morning. Because people say, can't I just worship God at home? I don't need to go to church. I can just be a good Christian and, and worship God in my own time. Yes, yes, you can worship God at home. You can worship Him anywhere. But there's something in the assembling of the saints that you cannot get just being on your own in isolation. When you come together and the people of God assemble together, there He is in the midst of us. There's another level of authority. There's another level of breakthrough. There's another level of revelation. There's another level of equipping that comes into your life when you gather together with other believers. Can someone say amen? amen. All right, God doesn't live in the building here, but He lives in us. And when we come in, He came in. Amen? When we came in, He came in in us. And there's some great reasons why to be, you sh it's great to be part. It's important. It's essential to be part of a local church. Because in a local church, you, can, you, 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 you receive the protection of your brothers and sisters. You receive, there's accountability. There's care and nurture for you to grow in your Christian life. There's a multitude of different gifts that can bless your life. It's a greenhouse environment where you can grow and become, reach your full potential. Number one reason, protection, covering, um, care, encouragement. Number two, um, and these are three things that, that you get by being part of a local church, is when you choose to participate in a local church, you join yourself to the family of God, you receive feeding through the teaching and preaching of the Word, you're, you're sheltered, you're guided, you're, you're, you're matured, you're developed. And, I, you know, characters both developed alone in the quiet place when no one's looking, who we are, you know, is developed when no one else sees. But I'll tell you what, the other way that characters developed is in relationships. And I'll tell you what, I would only be a quarter of the person I am today if it wasn't for my brothers and sisters around me. I have grown by being connected to people and not always to people who think the same as me, who live life the same as me. Um, there's some very different people in the local church, just as there is in your family. 
All right? And we need those differences. We need people who are different to us to mature us and to grow us. And so don't break relationship with your brothers and sisters in the church because things got a little rough. Hold on. Because when you hold on, you will mature and grow like you cannot on your own. Same thing in marriage. I'm the guy I am today because of this woman. Well, hold on tight through the storms, you know, through the rough times. Hold on tight, all right? Not letting go because I need it. <laughs> she needs me. There's some rubbing in relationships. You're going to get rubbed in the local church. Don't get offended and walk away. Don't get offended and walk away. You need it. And you will grow if you stick tight and go, I'm committed. I'm holding on. <laughs> Wiping away the tears sometimes. <laughs> oh, no. No. I'm not going back. You will never mature into the person God designed you to be alone. You cannot do it. You need people. And you need the family of God in the local house. All right. So you receive gifts. Your motivations get developed. Um, the Holy Spirit empowers you. You receive giftings and encouragements and insights. Man, I love it. I just love to sit there and listen to Ian Bilby preach and, you know, and uh, Reuben and, and uh, Paul and whoever's preaching, some of the ladies in the house. Whoa, some powerful preachers because I receive from everybody. I receive. And so when we make the local church a priority in our life, we are prioritizing, prioritizing something that will absolutely benefit and develop your life. You will become all that God designed in relationship. So, and there's a whole bunch of other things. Woohoo! There's time sticking. <laughs> all right, so we want to prioritize. Make it a priority to be part of the local church. Make it a priority yeah. to come along to the gatherings. You will be empowered and strengthened. Partner with your local church. Identify with its mission. The vision of this church is a great vision to impact the whole of Northland. Get on board. Tithe. Financially support the church. You know what? You know, there's something happens in your life. There's a dimension of release that comes when we begin to financially honor God with our resources. And so partner with your local church. Promote your local church. Man, when I go out of here, I, I talk up Excite Church. I say, oh, it's a great church, Excite Church. You know, what a great church. And so if this is your regular house, it's all right for you to love your house and, and say it's the best in Kerry Kerry. It's all right. All right? Those guys up in front line, yeah, they got the best church too. And they'll, they're telling everybody this is the best. That's all right. It's all right. I'll just tell you what, your team's the best, Okay. And it's all right for you to say your team's are best. You want to love your church, believe in your church, support your leaders and those serving, see what's right and not what's wrong. You know, you'll always find something that's not quite right. Most people leave churches for insignificant, petty reasons. Insignificant, petty reasons. No, it's not perfect, this church, but neither is my family. And neither is yours. <laughs> and you won't have to look far to find something not quite right in here. Are you going to leave because of that? 
Are you going to leave your family because someone's not, you don't like someone in your family? Are you going to leave your family? Of course you're not. Don't leave here because you saw something that wasn't quite right. You stay around and be part of the solution. All right? You, you defend your church. Promote your church. Actively seek to extend it and, and size and influence. You know, bigger churches have bigger influence. They, they can do bigger things. So no, it's all right for the church to be big. Hallelujah. As God wants you to be part of the local church, he wants you to find a house, a family. And if you're here today visiting, I want to encourage you. This is a great house, but if this is not your flavor, that's all right. Find one and put your roots down because those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. If you get planted, you will flourish. You will become the best you by being connected into the local church. All right. So the local church is a family. It's a family. This is family. If this is your church, this is your family. All right. So family, look after each other. They believe the best about each other. They stand by each other through the storms. Here's some things the church is not. It's not a supermarket to provide for your needs. All right? A lot of people go shopping for a church. Does it have a crash? Does it have a children's church? Does it have a youth group? Does it have good life groups? Nah, okay. Keep shopping. All right? No. Find out where you're meant to be planted. Get planted and grow that thing. All right? It's not a cafe just to visit and have a coffee and leave. All right, here's another one. It's not an event to watch. We're the worship team today. It's not an event to watch and compare with other events. Let's go and see some other church events and, you know, we just find out where the best one is. All right? And when you walked in, it got a little bit worse. <laughs> oh, shall I need to take that back? <laughs> it's not a childcare center for Sunday, for a drop-off center for Sunday shopping trips. You might laugh about that, but we had, we, I've experienced that. People bring their kids to church. Oh, he's my kids. You know, it's a children's church. Going shopping. <laughs> All right, it's not a substitute for taking responsibility to disciple your own family and raise your own kids in the ways of God. But when a church has, has crash, has youth groups, has children's church, um, has these things, what a great blessing to the family. What a great blessing. Thank God for people who step up to serve. The church is a big family where we all contribute. Place for brothers and sisters, for fathers and mothers, for children, for, for, for mokapuna, for grandchildren, for young people, for older people. It's a family where we love and connect with one another. It's a place to develop and grow, a place to learn and be accountable. All right, just want to skip over a whole lot of stuff. And go to one a very important point here, just to end out today. Um, Jesus 
when he, he spoke about the church, I want to tell you something that may very much surprise you. There's only three times in the Gospels where Jesus talked about the church. Now, that's, that's quite interesting, but there's a very important something that's connected to all of this. In Matthew 16 and 18 are the only two places where Jesus spoke of the church three times. He talked about he would build his church, and in Matthew 18, he talked about the authority of the church to bring discipline and also to bind and loose. Now, when you go over into the New Testament, Paul and the other writers of the New Testament use the word church 74 times. All right, so the focus, Jesus spoke of he would build his church, but in the New Testament, you find a predominant, overwhelming use of the word church. All right, because Paul realized and knew that the, the purpose of the church was to establish God, establish people, build them up, and strengthen them for a great reason. And that was this. Jesus, 119 times, all right, in the Gospels, mostly Jesus uses the word kingdom. He talks about his kingdom. His, the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is this. The kingdom of God is like that. And so he uses overwhelmingly the word kingdom. Now, there's an important thing to understand here, that the local church is a family that gathers together, and there can be a number of them in any community. But each family has this role of nurturing, building, equipping, strengthening the saints to do the work of the ministry so that out from this place can flow anointed men and women who know their place, who know their gift, who can influence the whole of the community and so bring the influence of Jesus into the whole of our community and into the whole of our nation. And that's called the kingdom. That's where wherever Jesus' rule and reign comes is, is the kingdom of God coming. And so it only comes fully when people are born again and, and submit to his lordship. But most of you here are going to be involved out in the community. You have jobs, you have, you have responsibilities. Some of you are school teachers, some of you are policemen, some of you are builders. And there's all kinds of people represented here in the house today. And most of you uh, have an incredibly amazing role to, to represent Jesus out into the community. So the church is the place where you belong, you, you are built, you are strengthened, you are um, equipped for, for the reason that you can be successful out there. You can be successful in business. You can be successful in, in, in the workplace and you can be the light and, and you can bring love and healing into your workplace, into the, the, play, the sports clubs, into the places you go. See, so, so Jesus talked overwhelmingly about the kingdom, but the agent of the kingdom is the church, the local church. You can't just say, oh, I just belong to the kingdom. I don't go to a church. I'm just the kingdom. I'm just in Jesus' kingdom. No, you have to be part of a local family where there's responsibility, accountability, training, equipping, safety, protection, all those things in the local church so that you can extend the kingdom. And then only 31 times in the New Testament, kingdom is used by other New Testament writers. So Jesus spoke about the kingdom because uh, the purpose of the church is to extend the kingdom. That's its great purpose. It doesn't exist just to be a great family. It exists for a purpose, to, to bring 
kingdom into our community. Do you know in the Old Testament, there were 12 tribes of Israel. One tribe was a priestly tribe, and uh, they were charged with being the priests of God. You know, there will only be a small percentage of people in this church who are full-time called to, to church pastorship, pastoral leadership, Reuben and Harmony and Paul and Ruth. Ma- majority of you will be in the, will be John and Linda, will be bringing the kingdom of God into the community. And so the goal of being here is not so that you can necessarily become a pastor or, 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 or a leader in the house, although, yes, play a role here, you can. But God wants to develop you so you can be successful in, in every out there bringing his kingdom. All right, so all of the church is in the kingdom, but not all of the kingdom is in the church. So the kingdom influence extends out from the church right across our communities.